You're listening to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Brought to you by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us on the web at puresexradio.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we're excited to have a special guest on the line with us. We have Michael Leahy with uh, Braveheart. So, Michael, thank you for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Glad to be here. Yeah, and before we uh, jump in, folks, I just want to remind you, as we do periodically, that we are a listener-supported broadcast. So the only way that you're hearing us or seeing us is because we've got faithful partners that come alongside and uh, give to this ministry. So if you'd like to learn about the ways that you can partner, simply go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Well, Michael, I want to I want to jump right in because I feel like we've got uh, a lot to cover. And I want our listeners to kind of get to know you and your ministry, but I really want us to then highlight a pretty unique and special event, sort of week-long event that's coming up uh, here very shortly. And so why don't you just introduce yourself to our listeners and give them a little bit of a background and just kind of what your ministry is all about. Sure. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to. Um, well, much like you, Jonathan, I I had, um, I grew up uh, and uh, grew up in a Christian. Oh, I grew up in a Christian home, but part of that journey was um, forming a relationship with pornography early on. I was about 11 years old when I was first exposed to porn, and it just grew over time very slowly and very gradually. So I'm 59 years old, a bit older than you are, and so I've uh, my journey started when it was really hard to get access to the material, but it it did have an influence on my core belief system in the way that I started to see men that were sexual, uh, not just using pornography, but being sexual with women as real men. Mm. So it really became kind of part of my mode of operation, if you will, part of my identity. And um, that continued on through high school. It was very sexualized in the way that uh, my dating relationships were into college big time. Um, you know, it was kind of like no controls, no accountability. So I'm just going to live it out loud. And um, even when I after I got married a couple of years out of college and uh, met a good Christian woman from uh, the South, I was living in Seattle at the time. And uh, she introduced me to I had I had grown up in the Catholic faith um, and she had introduced me into um, good old Southern Baptist, you know, Bible believing folk. And we actually went to church and started opening up a Bible and reading it, which was amazing to me because I never knew that you could really read Bibles like that. You know, mm -hmm. so a couple of years later, um, all while this was going on in the background, this relationship with pornography. Uh, I began, I, I uh, accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior and and really started to live a, an intentional life uh, of trying to follow Christ. And I say that uh, at this point in my story because I want to make sure that that listeners understand that this wasn't this wasn't something that maybe happened later in my life, you know, once I hit bottom or what have you. I mean, yeah. I was um, I was a Christian man who also had a growing relationship uh, not just with Jesus Christ, but also with pornography. And um, and so uh, my marriage went on over time. I assume like many of us have assumed that marriage would take care of this, that right. I wouldn't yeah. have the need to use pornography, that right. my wife, who is a wonderful, beautiful woman, um, you know, through and through would just magically be able to meet all my needs. And uh, I learned pretty quickly that that wasn't going to be the case. Mm -hmm. So that really started a, a, 
uh, hidden relationship with pornography. Instead of living it out loud as a college student, I now hid this. It grew over time. I was also, um, and we share a little background, a little similarity in this way. I was in the technology industry. I actually was recruited uh, by IBM and went to work for them straight out of college back before PCs, believe it or not, and, um, and, and spent the next 20 years in the technology industry, which only meant that I became an early adopter to every technologically enhanced form of pornography that there was. Sure, yeah. Yeah, both on the consumer side as well as... Um, you know, once it started to move into networks and, and intranets and then the internet. Um, so over time, it just grew. Uh, you know, I continued to feed my habit secret. It caused distance in my relationship with my wife. Um, it, it caused emotional distance as well as sexual, physical distance in a relationship. Um, she kind of wrote that off as that's just what happens in a marriage, I guess, over time. But what she didn't realize was that I was actually using pornography and, and getting my sexual needs met in my own way nearly every day. Mm. So I was starving the real true intimacy with her. And, um, and then as, as pornography and as my access to early forms of it that were online and, you know, high res and video and all became, um, took on more and more addictive qualities, if you will. I was right there in the front row, you know, front and center, soaking it all in. Uh, everything for me really changed, Jonathan, uh, around the mid-90s when the Internet started to to come out. Actually, it was a little before that because that's when it started to be popularized in our culture. Oh, yeah. But we were using it internally in the early 90s uh, in corporate communications. And that was back in the day before companies had filters or blockers or were tracking this. They had no idea that you know employees were looking at this material and that was back in the days when most porn consumption happened between the hours of nine to five sure, yeah. because that's the only time you could get high high bandwidth right so um so it escalated for me i moved from looking at very mild pornography and using that to um to looking at kind of racier images and it actually started to turn into um uh, exhibitionism, voyeurism. I was, you know, starting to make contact with other individuals, uh, all rationalizing to myself the idea that I could manage this. Um, lost control of that when I got into uh, when I got into the um, well, really the late later nineties. Uh, I had always um, fantasized about having an affair with another woman, being with another woman that wasn't my wife. And so, thirteen years into my marriage, uh, with you know two boys at home. Um, I, I stepped out of, of um, <clears throat> the marriage and started an affair with a woman that went on for about um, three or four years, uh, but pretty intensely for about a year and a half, two years, which ultimately led to our divorce. Um, because by then she represented porn with skin on mm -hmm. and I was totally addicted to the relationship and totally lost sight of uh, my wife's needs, my children's needs didn't really care at the time. I mean, I had become belligerent, obnoxious, um, you know, totally self-centered and selfish. And uh, I wanted what I wanted and and put them kind of in my rear view mirror. So 1998, we got divorced. It wasn't until about two years after that, that I actually hit rock bottom. And for me, hitting rock bottom was uh, realizing, well, finding out that my now ex-wife was engaged to be remarried. Um, so that door was totally closed. I also discovered that my affair partner was uh, was seeing about five or six other 
you know, married men with children, which I, I, I don't say that to blame her. I just say that to point out that <clears throat> I got exactly what I was looking for mm-hmm. in when you go down that 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 road. A woman who didn't want commitments, who wasn't committed to you, you know, it was just all about the sex. It was all about the physiology, the physical reality, whatever you call it, the physicalness of it. Right, sure. And, and, um, and at that point in time, I had been fired by my brother and his business partner. <clears throat> so I'd lost my job and my livelihood. Uh, many, most of my friends abandoned me um, because they were fair weather friends. I, I quit going to church, you know, because I didn't want to be around godly people or anything that reminded me of my sin. And I found myself literally all alone. Mm-hmm. And, and it was then that um, I started to have suicidal thoughts. Um, and in my apartment one day, as I was thinking about what to write on a suicide note to my boys, that's when I had my wake up. I mean, I, that thought, that thought in and of itself as a father of two boys, 10 and two at the time, just, it just, I collapsed. I mean, it just, that was rock bottom. The idea that I was actually thinking that seriously about it, that I would start to think about writing a suicide note. And I, I fell as a crumpled mess on the floor of my apartment, uh, cried like I've never, I mean, I just wept uncontrollably, just crying out for God. Now, again, you know, a, a, a Christian follower of Christ, but I had really kind of divided my life up and this was what I was pursuing. So um, when I did that, I just sensed that God, God's presence was there, sensed him speaking these words to my heart. I can never, I'll never forget it. It was like, Michael, um, I'm right here. I never left you. You left me. And that was a turning point. That's when I decided to, to uh, fight for my life. Uh, didn't know what I was dealing with. I, I did have a sense that this this was an addictive behavior mm-hmm. because I had a friend share their story with me um, some uh, almost a year uh, before that. Uh, suspecting that I had a sexual addiction. So I actually was going to specialists. I was going to 12-step groups. I was going to counselors, therapists to get treated for sexual addiction, but I wasn't really totally bought into it. And so I was kind of taking a half-hearted approach to it, and that's what cost me my marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, So lost everything. Um, You know, now all of a sudden I'm starting to wake up, and that started what's been now a... 15, well, actually a 20 year journey, uh, of recovery. Um, so I'm 20 years in started doing full-time ministry in this area about 15 years ago, uh, as God was just bringing more and more men to me. Um, as I know that he did with you, where it's just like, you don't know how people find you, but they do. And then you just start, start to share with them the journey that you were on, um, to experience freedom. Well, isn't it interesting? You know, one of the things that you pointed out there is um, how when we when we ultimately get what the uh, the the temptation of the seduction promises mm-hmm. is that it never it, it it actually leaves us empty. I think it's very interesting how you know when we're on you know when you were talking about how you're married, you've got kids, and then everything on the other side of the fence looks attractive right yeah and then when you find yourself on the other side of the fence guess what you're realizing you're seeing all the losses that you had on the previous side and you want to be back on the. so everything about the sexual lust and the temptations in that regard only lead us to keep wanting what we don't have Mm -hmm. very interesting isn't it it just leaves us in this place of emptiness and craving 
that never ultimately fulfills. Yeah, I, I love the words that um, Dr. Patrick Carnes uses. He's really kind of the founder of this whole area and study of sexual addiction. The first one who used that name at, or that label, actually. He said, um, sex addicts are a walking contradiction. And that was me. I mean, I was living a hypocritical life. I remember times when I was le- I was the president of my Sunday school class at our, Southern, at our Baptist church we were attending. And I remember times where my wife was gone, you know, that weekend and I'd be out picking, you know, trying to pick up women. And then literally in the same suit I was out in that Friday or that Saturday night, I would be driving from a hotel room to uh, Sunday school class, uh, standing up there, you know, reading prayers or, you know, uh, leading the thing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's sickening. It's, it's sickening to think about. And what, what blew me away is, you know, and I realized this after I interviewed you for the summit, it's not like we're not smart people. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, these are pretty, I always consider myself to be pretty intelligent, pretty wise to the world. It's like, eh, I'm not going to let anything, you know, kind of detour my life. Um, but the power of this thing, I mean, it's just incredible how once you get on that train, it's so, so hard to get off. Yeah. It makes me think of uh, the the scripture that talks about how our our fight is not against flesh and blood. And so even included in that, it's not a matter of intellect. Man, there's plenty of intelligent people that have been taken down to their knees mm-hmm. by sexual sin. Mm-hmm. So it clearly can't be an issue that I can just intellectualize my way out of. Yeah, There's something much deeper at play here. And you know this. I mean, it, it gets into the emotional and the spiritual and the historical in terms of our own wounds and all those types of things that we realize. Um, I think I think the recovery journey begins, and you sort of illustrated this in your story, when we finally reach that point where we recognize we aren't as strong as we think we are. Absolutely. And then we yeah. absolutely cannot do this on our own. So why don't you share with us a little bit about uh, kind of what you do in your ministry, and, and then I'd really like for us to spend the rest of our time talking about this summit that's coming up uh, in okay. December. Yeah, yeah, great. So, um, yeah, my recovery journey really started when I was willing to fully surrender myself over to this. And it's very much what you described. And so I started this um, process. And when I got to a certain point, it just seemed like God kept bringing people into into my life. And um, over time, I really felt a a strong, compelling pull to go into full-time ministry. Now, I don't there's no one in our family who's, you know, been in ministry before. It's not like I grew up and went to seminary or what have you. So that was not exactly in my career plan. You know? But uh, eventually, um, God made it very clear that, that that's what he wanted me to do. So I went into full-time ministry, started Bravehearts Ministry uh, in 2002. I'll never forget. February 28th, 2002 was the last time I took a, a paycheck from corporate America, uh, still to this day. Um, and, uh, in those early years, I had some great partnerships that I formed with Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now known as Crew, and, uh, did some speaking, actually spoke in a, in a big event at North Point Community Church, which was my home church, uh, where Andy Stanley interviewed my ex-wife and I, and you can still see that on our website. Um, so there were a lot of, and then a lot of media stuff happened where I was, we were on 2020 and The View and all that. So really the, the original intention that I had of going into ministry was to help people who were struggling. Um, and I was doing that, but there was just a small group of people that we were really reaching 12, 14, because back in 2002, there weren't, you know, it was really hard to find folks. Sure. It was still, it was still uh, 
<clears throat> really hidden in the church and among Christians. And so it's not like the churches would just let you advertise this openly in their bulletin oh, or anything. But um, so we were really an education and awareness ministry for probably the first half of the 15 years that I've been in full-time ministry now. Um, but over time that changed. I actually started, uh, God put me in a place after I had met my second wife, Christine, and we married, she was in the army and we moved to Northern Virginia from Atlanta. And it was while I was up there far away from my support team and, you know, all the resources and people that I knew. And I started to have more time on my schedule to be able to, um, you know, uh, to be able to do ministry. Uh, but I was used to traveling, speaking, I'd written five books, you know, all that kind of stuff. And men kept coming back to me like they always did asking for help. And it used to be that I did so much speaking and so much traveling that I could never really help anyone. You know, it's kind of like, well, go find a good counselor, find a, a, a recovery group, what have you. And that was always frustrating to me. And so I still had people asking for help. But now living in Northern Virginia, my wife's, you know, going to work every day with the army. Um, I have a lot of time on my hands. So I finally started to go deep and long with a handful of guys. Didn't think of it in terms of what I was going to be doing with them other than just kind of mentoring them because I wasn't a licensed counselor and I really had no intention or, or desire to do that. But I would tell them, you know, I'll be your Sherpa guide. I'll tell you, know, I, I'm, I can't do things that other counselors can, but I can take you on this journey. I'll walk alongside with you and let's go through my workbook that I used when I was in recovery. It was Mark Laser's Faithful and True. Mm -hmm. And that started this uh, process of walking alongside guys. Uh, some people, I think, like even in your ministry, they refer to it as coaching. But it's this, you know, we're the non-licensed professionals, but we're still professionals. We take our experiences. And I think in a lot of ways, we can be even more valuable to them in terms of helping them understand what the real resources are that they need on the journey. And I started doing that. And um, Jonathan, it has just become my absolute passion. I love mentoring men uh, about. Um, so I started doing that about seven and a half years ago, about five and a half years ago, started mentoring groups. And so now I do some group mentoring as well. And just being able to, you know, take those past experiences, those pains, uh, those consequences, all that and turn it to good. You know, I, I always refer to this that it's it's like letting God uh, you know letting God leverage my story for His glory, mm -hmm. and that's exactly the way that I think of it. And it's as I know you know as well, it's painful sometimes to go back there. It's painful to recall your 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 sharing your your worst moments and things that you kind of like to distance yourself from. But at the same time, you know you get to you get to have a front row seat at watching people, you know, live totally transformed lives and be transformed. Mm -hmm. So. That's what I've been doing. And, and when we met about a year and a half ago at the Set Free Summit, I was invited to speak by Josh McDowell and, and share this mentoring centric solution that we have, which I really very strongly believe in. Um, but that's also where I made the uh, I took the, the risk of inviting others that wanted to to live a similar redemptive life and give back. And we're in that station of life to become mentors as well. And so we've now since started mentor training and certification programs. And I've had about 40 people go through the training and about um, 10 have become certified Bravehearts mentors. And um, and so we're trying this new model of, you know, we're not licensed by the state or anything, but, and so we see a separation from what we do versus counselors, therapists. We actually refer a lot of people to therapists because they can do things we can't do, mm -hmm. but we get to be there to kind of walk through with them uh, this journey for the long haul 
And so on average, most of the guys that I mentor, I work with for 18, 19 months. And I've got some that I've been, uh, some of my very first ones uh, back seven years ago that I'm still still walking with. And it's it's just great. I love it. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about this uh, summit here. Yeah. Because I think it's important that our, our listeners know what's coming up and how they can maybe access this uh, summit that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, well, the reason I mentioned the Set Free Summit is because that was kind of the inspiration for our Breaking Free Summit, although this is a virtual summit that we're doing. That conference is something that you and I had to fly to North Carolina or travel North Carolina for. Uh, and we heard some wonderful speakers, right? I mean, you know, people like Doug Weiss and um, uh, Stephen Arterburn and, you know, just on and on and on, just amazing people that have been in this battle for a long time. But um, I remember thinking at the time, gosh, I wish... I wish some of my guys that I was mentoring were here because, you know, this was mostly leaders in ministry like yourself who've been doing this for a long time. And so in, in a way, we're kind of preaching to the choir a little bit, although those are great experiences. You know, don't don't get me wrong. But I kept thinking, man, that, you know, that I knew the guys that I'd been mentoring, their spouses. There was so much rich information and material there. And so I and probably you and many others coming out of there, we started asking the question, well, when's the next summit? You know, and then, you know, heard that they spent a lot of money on it, probably more money than they wanted to. Uh, there was no one ever really stepping up in that. I think you guys in your ministry are really the first ones to step up and now kind of want to work with the leaders again in that way. But I still always had a heart and passion to getting this information out to strugglers and their spouses. And so knowing that we didn't have the budget to be able to tackle that. Um, my wife and I, um, she's a digital marketing expert. And so we do, you know, we've done webinars in the past. We do a lot of online stuff and all my group meetings are like this via video, uh, or, you know, over the phone or one-on-one -on -one video. Um, so we were aware of, you know, the webinar format and we were aware of the online summit format. And we thought, well, what if I go back to a lot of those speakers and then other people that, you know, I just I really wanted to have them, uh, share their stories and share their passion in this area and their resources more than anything, their tools and resources. Um, because we just do the mentoring, but there's so many other needs out there and, and so many other tools. So we really didn't uh, do this too, too long ago uh, where we started putting together this idea of a summit, a virtual summit. And it was, uh, we set the date for December 10th through the 19th of 2017 and um, I, I came up with a list of speakers. I was really hearing that you had to invite about 100 people because, you know, if you want 20 speakers, invite 100. Most people are going to say no. And I thought, yeah, that, that could be true. I think I'm going to get a lot of yeses. So I just started with a list of 50 speakers, actually. And you were on that list. And you kindly said yes, along with about 47 other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally only had three no's, and, which was really neat, really exciting. And so my heart and passion is our intended audience for this, hopefully is the audience that's listening to this uh, right now, yeah. are um, men and women who struggle uh, with sexual sin or with um, sexually addictive behaviors uh, and compulsivity uh, and their spouses and loved ones. That's it. Not really targeting leaders in this area of ministry. Mm -hmm. There's a different time and place for that. You guys are going to be doing that next year. You know, um, the Set Free Summit did a great job of that. But I really want to get this information out to those who are struggling. And so that's what the summit's all about. We're going to have um, uh, over 150 sessions. Um, I've uh, recorded interviews that I've done um, via uh, video conferencing, uh, much like you and I are doing right now. 
um, with uh, 50, well, about 47 or 48 people. Some of it I do with individuals and others with couples. Mm -hmm. So we're really gearing this as a, you know, <clears throat> come to hear best practices, the best thinking from the best minds and the experts. And I consider certainly you to be an expert in this area because you've taken, you know, your story and, and experience and now are out there helping others and been very successful at it. And that's what the summit's all about. Yeah. You know, it's kind of bringing all that to bear. It's free, absolutely free for people to attend. Um, but we also realize that in 10 days, as we cover 10 topics, there's over well over 100 hours worth of recorded interviews that people will be able to hear. We know that most people won't be able to, to, to sit through all that or to listen through all that as we make them live or as we release them. So we're also doing all access passes, which are only $99 to get an all access pass where you can watch the videos or listen to them. Uh, or we'll include downloadable audio and video of this. Uh, for folks to listen to while they're commuting or what have you, but just really, really good content. And I, I, the reason I brought up the All Access Pass is it's, it was important to me to make this a real partnership thing with guys like you and your ministry. So all the proceeds of the All Access Passes, we're splitting that 50-50 with ministries like yours so that we can support what you're doing. Um, like you were asking people in the beginning, and I want to double down on that and say, absolutely got to support these ministries. Not like we can go out and do a golf fundraiser or a right, wine right. auction or something, right? So people need to know this is a hard area to raise money. And I've been doing this for 15 years, but I want to take an active role in helping to support what you're doing. Uh, half of it's going to go back to us and we're going to probably just be doing more of these and inviting you guys in partnership. So I think mm -hmm. everyone's going to win. But if you don't have the money, can't afford the $99, you can still listen to every talk, every speaker, you know, live as the summit goes on. It's just we'll only keep them on for 48 hours and then we'll drop them off. But it's still a pretty good deal. Yeah. yeah. So literally, how can people get in touch with your ministry? And then also, how are they going to be able to access the summit? Yeah. Great. Great question. Well, um, our ministry web address, our main address is bravehearts.org. Bravehearts.org. And the, um, the website for the summit is breakingfreesummit.com. But I don't want your listeners to go to breakingfree.com. I want them to go to your website so that they can get the link. And maybe, I don't know if you can post it on, on your page that this appears, but uh, you're going to be one of our affiliates. And so I really want them to buy the ticket if they're going to do an all-access pass, and we hope they do. I want them to do that through your link so that you get credit. And that's, you know, those are funds that you'll have in your, your ministry bank account by the end of the year, because uh, we really want to do this as kind of a year-end fundraiser for folks as well. So that's what I would encourage people. You can come to um, the breakingfreesummit.com just to kind of check it out. But, you know, don't buy your all-access pass there. Do it through you guys. Yeah, we can absolutely do that. And uh, we'll, we'll post that to our uh, the, the information area where we're going to be putting this, um, this broadcast. But, uh, Michael, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I think it's been a great thing just to... To hear another person who has this wonderful story of redemption by God's grace that is now using that, as you said, you know, leveraging your story for his glory. And I think that's a great way to put it. And so, you know, God bless you as you continue to do this. And we're definitely going to be praying and promoting uh, for the summit because we do believe this is the kind of thing that can really bless and benefit so many people as they 
as they just try to figure out what are my next steps. So do you have any closing comments that you'd like to give to those people out there that, that uh, might at this point be on the fence about whether or not they would want to participate in the summit? Yeah, well, I understand that. Uh, you know, I, I hopefully people won't be on the fence about something that they can do for free, for one thing. Uh, secondly, they follow you. They, they certainly, um, you know, uh, have bought into you and what you're doing in your ministry. And I've, you know, I, I love the interview that we did um, and the four topics that you covered. Uh, and if anything, they need to go to the summit to listen to our interviews. Uh, so they'll be able to find the days that you commented or that we talked about the topics that you chose. But also for those that get the all access pass, they can listen to the full interview uninterrupted. Um, but, you know, I think this is the thing I'm excited about it, it is I know that there, you know, we talk about um, topics and how they apply to strugglers, men and women. And then we're talking, we have a lot of women speakers on this, by the way, probably half, if not more. Yeah. And and so there are women who are talking about struggling in this, but there are a lot of women speaking to spouses. And these are women who have come through this themselves. But here's the thing. I think that there are a lot of spouses who will want to hear what we're saying to the men or what experts are saying to the men, just to kind of checklist things in terms of, okay, is my husband doing those things? You know, is he following this and vice versa? I want the strugglers to hear what women are saying who have been through this to the spouses because they need to be sensitized to that. They need to start to empathize with how disastrous this is mm. undealt with in a relationship. So just come listen to them all and and we'll have some Facebook live events and things to kind of make it interesting as we go. Well, thank you, Michael. We're out of time, but I appreciate you being with us this time. And uh, and uh, just thanks again for your story and for your ministry. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. And listeners, we're always glad that you're with us. And we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.